Welcome to Francophiles. From the French Embassy in Washington, D.C., we explore the links between the United States and France, and the history, culture, and connection that exists between the two. I'm your host, Tracy Madigan, and this is the first episode of Season 4. Today, the story of one of the most important women in France's modern history. Simone Veil, who all at once represents the fight for Europe, for the memory of Holocaust victims, and for women. Women's rights champion and Holocaust survivor Simone Veil. She represents the resistance, or at least the deportation, and also the fight for women's freedom. And she was also a staunch believer in Europe. Simone Veil was one of the most admired women in the country. A staunch defender of women's rights, she led the fight to legalize abortion in France and campaigned for European reconciliation, joining the ranks of French legends Voltaire, Victor Hugo, and Marie and Pierre Curie. A ceremony paying homage to the life and legacy of one of France's most admired figures. Simone Veil was given a hero's honor on Sunday, as she and her husband Antoine made their entry into the Pantheon, France's most prestigious mausoleum. President Emmanuel Macron commemorated a woman who did not let her circumstances define her life. Your work, madame, was great because it was fueled by your grief and your wounds, by your loyalty and your resolve, but also because you dedicated it entirely to France and the Republic, because you honored France with all your might. Today, France honors you. Comment définir la mémoire? Que nous le voulions ou non, que nous le sachions ou non, nous sommes responsables de ce qui nous unira demain. Simone Votre travail, Madame Veil. Ma vocation. Ce n'est pas un travail, c'est une vocation. Vous ne me faites pas peur J'ai survécu à pire que vous Tous mes combats, c'est elle. The movie is called Simone Veil, A Woman of the Century. And it's likely a work that generations will be watching. That's how pivotal Simone Veil was. And the issues she fought for are still in desperate need of attention. We've invited to the Francophile studio big screen actress Elsa Zilberstein. She not only conceptualized this film, but she portrays Simone Veil. And it was a challenging role, given that Simone Veil carried the emotions of a concentration camp survivor and the dogged determination to battle multiple injustices in France. We talk about Simone Veil's important work and why Americans and others around the world should be paying attention. Here's our conversation. Elsa, first off, thank you so much for joining us and congratulations on the release of the film. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so, so happy and thrilled. It's doing so <laughs> well. It's just a jeweler and uh, I feel I'm like uh, gifted and it's such a relief, especially cinema was not in a good shape. I think people to go back to cinema, they need something special. They need films that are like real, really made for cinema, first of all. It has to be something special, like something you cannot watch at home, maybe. And funny or emotion, this film is a lot of emotion. And what I'm getting from the audience, what I'm getting from everyone, I'm getting so beautiful letters for, on Instagram and so many messages from people. And they all say that 
this film is essential, first of all. And they have so much emotion. They're like so much silence in the end. They can't even stand up to go back to their own life. I think it touches some people deeply, strongly, emotionally. It talks to the essential. It talks to something deep. It talks to your inner emotions. So I think what is important is to make films nowadays that are like, really made for a big screen, special emotion, strong emotion, talking to a lot of a main audience, and it has to be cinema. So people don't go if it's something they could watch on a small screen. And I'm very pleased that I knew this film was made for cinema since I'd begun to believe and to dream about this film. I want to ask you about playing such a large role. I want to ask you about the the relevance of the issues that Simone dealt with over her career and how they're, better for better or for worse, still relevant today, especially in the U.S. Yeah. Let me tell you, though, when I found out that you... Uh, were playing this role, I thought, oh, I wonder how she felt when she found out that she was getting this role. But it was the opposite. You thought of this and you went out and you found your team. Tell us about that. Yeah. I was very lucky. More than 10 years ago, I had met Simone Weil in a dinner. I was giving her a prize. It was like insane. They asked me to say some lines to do like a speech in front of her and her family. That's what I did. And I was invited to her table after. And I was very impressed by her. She kind of a, a person like Ruth Bader Ginsburg for American people, I feel. So she's really someone charismatic. She's not a typically politician in a way. She doesn't got her own power. She just got the power many times as a minister, twice as a head of the European Parliament, but she was using this power to change people's life. So I think when I met her, I felt this strength, but as well, this she was very moving. She had something in the eyes. Her eyes were green, very subtle, and I felt some failures inside. So I got closer to her. I was very lucky to have dinner with her after she came to my house. And we began having some, you know, link. I'm not saying a friend, but some link. And when she died, there was this big funeral at Les Invalides. And the president Macron, Emmanuel Macron, did this wonderful speech. And I left this place and I thought, okay, now it's my responsibility. I have to do it. In a way, I felt like she gave me this power to do something. Like she's obsessed with all those people who went to camps, uh, like Paul Schaeffer, Marceline Loridan Evans, or Jeanette Kolanka. They're all obsessed with transmission, with never forget, never forget what we went through. You have to tell our story. We won't be there now. It's your turn. And I felt that she chose me in a way. And after her death, it's funny, I, it was very quick after. I went to LA, I met a producer who was a, working at Pate, Romain Legrand, and I said, look what I want to do now. He said, do you have a producer? And I said, no, it was, I wanted to do that for eight years before. And then he said, okay, I'll do it. He said, do you have an idea for the director? And I had just in mind Olivier Dan. for me, he was the only director who could do this because I love La Vie en Rose, the film on Edith Piaf was, I was so thrilled and I thought this film was fantastic. I knew it was for him because 
I didn't want to film like a Wikipedia with a sign of classical way of doing things. And I knew it would bring some emotion, some strength, some humanity. I knew it would do something special. And I went, to, I called Olivier and I said, look, I want to talk to you about something. Uh, the next day I was at home. I told him about the project and three hours after I went back home and I called the producer and I said, he said, yes. And they were like stunned and said, no way. And I said, yeah, he said, yes. Then I called the, you know, Vey family and I, I, I'm close to Jean Vey. And I said, look, he said, if I don't like the film, I will tell you. If I like the film, I'll tell you. And I, I, I let them know every, every month, every year, I was telling them what was happening with the project. And then, you know, Olivier Dan wrote a beautiful script and we, we got the money and we did it. So it was really my impulsion, really what is beautiful is like, I was a woman fighting for her to have a film on her. As a woman, I fought for a woman and I felt it was very important, especially for women now, what was happening in the whole world for abortion. You know, I heard uh, Joe Biden talking about women and abortion and he was like really convincing. And it was very moved when he says, go and vote. And you have to do that for women. And I thought, oh my God, this film is so accurate. You know, all the, all the battles she's like um, giving, uh, it's all, if you read all the speeches she's given, so modern, it's totally accurate. And it could be on injustice, on tolerance, on humanity, on never forget, on abortion, on uh, AIDS, on uh, adoption, so many, I mean, everything she's done are accurate. Even when she's fighting in Yugoslavia, when she said, what's doing the Red Cross? What do they do? It could be for Ukraine now. Like what, what's happening? People, are, there's no human rights. So she was fighting for human rights. She was fighting for people. She was fighting for people to have a better life. She was fighting for against injustice. So all what she was doing, I think, was so nowadays and I feel the, su the success of the film uh, you know that is happening because of all this and so when you see the international reality that the issues that she fought for are still very much present how did that make you feel as an actress knowing that this was very much current very much still alive but also knowing that she brought us so far in advance. It's kind of a weird situation, isn't it? We advanced so much, yeah. her, but we're still there. Exactly, but I felt it. Why am I fighting so much for her, for the film? I wanted the film to happen because I knew, having read her book, A Life, I knew that she was so modern. Uh, one, on one hand, it's terrible because you feel like, nothing has changed it's been 30 years or 40 years people are fighting about the same things and finally story no one's learning from what we went through no one is learning from their fault no one is learning for what happened in the world look what's happening in italy with the, the fascism and the totalitarianism even look at putin look at look at the world and i felt I knew already it was so accurate, but with abortion in America, it's even more accurate. So it's, it's a bit, it's totally crazy. I would love to go to Washington 
to come and do something with women to talk about that. I want, you know, Kamala Harris to see the film. I want Joe Biden and his wife to see the film. I think it's a very important film, especially, you know, nowadays, all her battle were so accurate all over the world. And I think the film is so modern for that. So you knew the woman, which is an incredible, unique experience to have for an actress who is going to play her. You did delve in. You, you researched it for over a year. You became her, essentially. You made the ultimate sacrifice of any actress. You gained nine kilos <laughs> to be able yeah, to play yeah. her, which is very not easy to yeah. do. Tell me, as Yum. Everybody knows her, the work that she's done. What did you learn about her that you didn't know as you did your research? Oh, yeah. I learned so much, you know. I knew about abortion, which she did, obviously, for Europe, obviously, for maybe adoption. I knew what she's done. She fought for against injustice a whole life. I didn't know what she's done for AIDS, for example, that, you know, this crazy scene in the film was she's supposed to do the an interview, uh, you know, like a, an important interview. And she's meeting someone who got AIDS. And she's so touched. You know, it's it, what is beautiful with Simone Weil is like um, all her battle, you know, everything she's been fighting for is she's been fighting for dignity because she was in the camp when she was 16. And I think all of battle were to get dignity and not to have people humiliated. So I didn't know about what she did for AIDS, for drug addicts, for example, for you know, adoption and discover after. What she did even for uh, mother when they brought the kids for les maternelles, what she did to les aides maternelles. So, so many things to make people's life better. She was really, she was a woman thinking of woman. So she was really into every woman's life. She knew small things about women, what they fought for, well, how hard it is to work, to be a woman, to be a mother, to be a wife. So she knew exactly from the inside what it means to be a woman and for people's dignity and for humanity. What Tell I did me. as an actress, yeah, to go back to your first question, I, I began, I've worked for a year to prepare the, the part. I stopped everything. I stopped acting. I stopped everything. I prepared myself for a year with different coaches. I gained nine kilos, obviously. I had to become her. I was working with her shoes. I, I took some kilos. I was working on every gesture, every single wallow, every single breath, every single world. I wanted to become her. So I really get into her body. I, I was walking with her shoes for months. I was uh, watching every, uh, at Lina Media Pro, uh, watching every interview to become her. She has a different way of talking when she's doing interviews, when she's in, in her family work, when she's doing, uh, talking to journalists. You know, all her side, all the sides, it, the intimate side, and the general side and the, the woman when she's in, in the light. She's a very complex woman. She has so many faces, so many colors. So I had to, to bring that to life because especially in France, she's more known to be like a strong woman with a ponytail or, you know, she's very known for that. But I wanted to see and to show people what was behind this 
strengths? What was behind this apparently strong and hard appearance? And I think it was very, with Olivier Dahl, we were working, we thought, oh, I, I said to Olivier, I think we have to show people what's behind the room, what's behind the scene. Uh, she lost her mother when she was 16. His, the, I spoke to many people who went to camps. I, I spent a year talking to Paul Schaeffer, who is dead now. I spoke to Ginette Kolanka. I spoke to Marceline Loridan Evans. And all those people, they said, when we left Birkenau, Auschwitz, we're still in Birkenau, Auschwitz. So all I based my character was, I knew a part of her was still there. A part of herself is still in the camp. A part of herself is still in Auschwitz. A part of herself is still dead. A part of herself lost her mother and she's not recovering for that. So even on the, on the apparent, she's strong, but inside she's broken. Inside, she's still in Auschwitz. How was that seen? Because the idea of you knew her, you had done all this research on her, and can you ever even dream of what that must feel like? I can't imagine how difficult it was to have a survivor go back to a, a concentration camp to visit. Tell us about that scene, how you prep for it, and just how difficult it was even to act in it. I decided to go to Auschwitz months before, like a couple of months before, and I chose Ginette Kolanka, who was a survivor, to go to Auschwitz. And I spent two days with Ginette Kolanka in Auschwitz. And I, I was very moved and nourished by Ginette, what she told me about what they went through. I actually, I did a short film. I filmed Ginette for two days. It was very important First of all, I read many articles. There was a small book by the head of Paris Match, Alain Genestard, who wrote about Simone going back to Auschwitz when, at, at, at her age. So he wrote on that. There's another thing. David Teboul has done many documentaries. He knew Simone Weil, and he's done a wonderful documentary on Simone going back to Auschwitz. So with all the research I did, when I went there, I felt something very strong. And certainly for me, what I felt is like, well, she's bringing her own family. She, she wants transmission. She's telling them what she went through. But on, the, on another hand, she's back to be 16. She's 16 at this time. She's touching the koya where her mother slept. She's all her emotion is coming back in her eyes. So what, all my work was about, I had to feel the suffering. I had to have that in my eyes. All what she went through had, sorry, I moved suddenly, I'm telling you. I had to have that in my body, sorry. In my eyes, I had to be there, sorry. Yeah. You still feel it. You still feel it. That's how, that's how intense it was. Yeah. I had to go through all this, you know? So this is part of my work and there was no other way to do it. I couldn't, I couldn't stay out of that. I had to, and especially my, my father was a hidden child. Uh, my father is Jewish and he was hiding in Lyon during the war. And, made, and my grandmother was Jewish from Russia. And 
maybe the link with my family and I had to, I had to dive into all this to make it real. Uh, there's no other way, you know, for her, for the homage I wanted to give her, I cannot escape and I had to be true and I had to go as deep as possible inside. Get that in my eyes, the loss of her mother and the loss of her sister after and the loss of her father and, and her brother. They were, um, there, there's a scene in the film, I'm talking to Serge Klarsfeld, but she, so many years she hadn't know, she didn't know how they were killed. And because Serge Klarsfeld has done so much work on Auschwitz, on survivors, on people, the people who were killed. And one day Klarsfeld came to her office and the, it's in the film and he's telling her, I think I found the, the train and the way Jean and your father were killed. And it's a very strong scene when Olivier Daun wanted me to get like all the shots as if I was killed by again, or like has to be felt in my body how they kill my father and my brother. So I had to go through all those things and it was very, uh, you know, it's still there. What she learned, what I learned from her, she gave me so much strength, so much strength. She's a lesson. She was a lesson for me. She gave me so much strength. She's so brave. All what she's done after in her, own, in her life, it, she's a lesson of humanity and she's a lesson. Was that hard knowing that she's such a huge figure in history? Uh, that's a lot of weight to carry on your shoulders. I didn't want to think of that. Otherwise, you don't do things. You cannot can be talk about it. like this. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you cannot be in front of the mountain saying, oh God, it's like, okay, there is Himalaya and I want to go there. And oh no, it's not going to be possible. When you decided it's my own decision, I wanted to play her. I wanted to be her. So as soon as I decided, I had to fight for it. And I said, okay, now I'm going to work. That's why I decided to work for a year. I even called... You know, I was a big admirer of Churchill, uh, Gary Oldman, and I got the number and the email of his makeup artist. <laughs> and I called his makeup artist and he was so adorable. I think it's a Japanese guy. And he said, yes. And finally, it was too expensive for the production. But I was so upset. I said, I want this guy. I want the guy with the Churchill. So I, my, my goal was high as this, I, Gary Oldman in Churchill or Meryl Streep in Thatcher, or, you know, it was my goal. It was this kind of things I wanted to get to. It was not, um, it's an, a bit unusual in France, the way I did it, to be honest. And it was completely worth it. And I'm sure French people appreciate that you took the time to do the best job you could do. Yeah, I got so many beautiful letters now. People are so, well, I mean, it's, it's so great reward for me getting all those letters. <laughs> Tell me, some of the people who are listening to this podcast will know who she was. Other people may have heard the name. What kind of, when you're speaking to people uh, in the U.S., what is the one takeaway that you think people should know about the character that you chose to play? I think the abortion might be something interesting, especially for American people especially to know all the battles she's been doing for that. It was in 1974. 
She, the, the president was Giscard d'Estaing and the minister was Jacques Chirac. And she was hired like a femme alibi a little bit. She was hired by, by Giscard to become a health minister. And they, they wanted to, to fight for this abortion law. And they hired her because she was a woman, obviously. And she went to the assembly. There was actually nine women at this time at the parliament. And there was just 481 men. So it was in the 70s. She was wearing this Chanel gown to be like, like a protection. And she fought like a crazy, like a, she was so brave what she went through. They were accusing her. She they were telling her so horrible things. They, they, they accuse her even for being a woman, for coming from Auschwitz. They were like obnoxious. They were horrible. And she fought for, like crazy uh, with the help as well of her husband, Antoine Veil. She, she was a really special woman. She was a very, very unique woman in France. And you should check on her. I was telling, you know, Ruth Baden Ginsburg might be the closest American woman that could be linked. What do you think? Might be interesting yeah. now for, yeah. I think it's a good comparison because it's someone who was consistently there. And when female power meant a different thing, it's thanks to women like that, that women today can speak out, can be heard. They're not heard enough, but those pioneers were there, right? Oh yeah, they were pioneers. They were so in advance, you know, in 1974 and look what's happening in the world today. Uh, you know, that's why I wanted to see, I want the film to be seen in Washington. I want to be things to be seen, you know, I don't know, Kamala Harris, I was mentioning her because she's a woman, she can go for it. <clears throat> and she was very brave, especially at this time, now there's more women. But at this time there was no woman. And Simone Weil was really a pioneer for what she's done. She was being insulted at the parliament by so many men. It was horrible what she, what she went through. They were even said that, how can you be for abortion? Like a fetus in the body. Uh, it's like sending the children to the, to the, uh, to the camp. Auschwitz. I mean, they were horrible. So it was really a nightmare she went through. And she fought and she won. She won. Just before I, I, I start to wrap up, I did want to drill down a little bit on what you just said, because there's the factual chronology of what she lived, what she achieved, but there's also an emotional chronology. So how did she change emotionally over the years? I think the survivors stand up be first of all so brave and secondly fantastic faith in human nature and that's part of the her and I was very impressed in that she is so she believed in human nature funny when I met her I remember she's never someone who was of course there was some anger at the beginning when she's coming back from the camps She's lost everyone. In 1952, she's losing her sister in a car accident. So there's so much anger somewhere. But she's going back to, she's following her husband in, in, in 52 to live in Germany. She's, you know, in advance in a way, she was already thinking of Europe, you know, because she was thinking Europe is peace, uh, everyone. 
So I think she is so tolerant, humanist, a pioneer in many a subject. But I think the failure she's had inside, like every survivor of Auschwitz, is still there all the time. You know, it's funny, uh, Rosalie Varda and Agnès Varda, Rosalie Varda was telling me a, a small story. Agnès Varda had done a film on Les Justes, you know, Les Justes is, are people who saved Jews during the war. My father was saved by Les Justes. You know, you, you become a just, I don't know if you said that in English, you become a just when you've been saving some, some Jewish people. At the, the Shoah Memorial in Paris, you have a whole wall with the name of the just. And, and Agnès Varda has done a small film on that. And Rosalie Varda was telling me that Simone came to see this film and she saw her shoulders going like this mm. for an hour and a half. Yeah, shaking, like when someone's sobbing. Oh, yeah. And, and it was very fulfilling for me and very nourishing, knowing that inside she was broken for me. Even if she was protecting herself in some armor with this Chanel look. Elsa, it's clear that the reason the film is seeing such success is because of your personal dedication to making sure that her entire story is told properly. You knew her when she was alive, and now viewers feel they know her at a much deeper level than what the history books will be sharing. So thank you so much for the work you did in bringing this important chapter in history to light so that we hopefully can all build upon it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so, so happy. Thanks for listening. Let us know what you think of the show and who you'd like to hear us talk to. Please subscribe and rate this podcast. That way more people will hear about it. Thanks so much for listening. Au revoir.